Hey guys, and welcome to Get Life Podcast Kunai. Welcome to summer. As I said, I did say this. Tyson, if you're listening, because you're not on this episode, if you are listening, I said that I would do this despite you, and I'm doing it now. This is the Christmas episode, and we're talking about some really, really awesome things, mainly Spirited Away, and for the New Year's episode, we'll be talking about My Neighbor Totoro. Our cast is slightly different today. We got Kevin, as always. Hey. He, yeah, the Canadian guy. And we have... Season's greeting, guys. Happy holidays. We're also joined by a legend on this podcast. We reference him a lot. Okay. Tyson's probably listening to this and he's like, no, no way. It can't be. It is, Tyson. It is. Senpai. It, it's the everyone's. It's everyone's senpai. It's Daniil. Daniil, say hello. Hi. See? I'm Daniil. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's Daniil. Um, this is really last minute. We were supposed to actually have... Our pal, um, I forgot his name. Our pal. Oh my god. Our pal Joe. Joe's supposed to be on this episode, <laughs> I, but. Joe, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm oh. sure Bish remembers you. He's just really tired right I'm now. I'm super tired. It's like. It's probably one like o'clock here. What, what time is it? It's one o'clock. It's one right o'clock now. here. Yeah, just started, so. Bish and Daniel are probably both tired. A bit. But thanks to Daniel for coming. He's, he's the savior of this episode. Uh, hopefully, no it's not like Denki Guy. Yay! Um, For you new folks, uh, Get Life Podcast Kunai is a monthly anime discussion podcast under the Get Life group. Due to the nature of the discussion, we can't avoid spoilers of the movie uh, to be discussed. Also, we aren't covering the source material, whether it's a manga or light novel, but there is none in this case since it's uh, an original animation. And we can be found on Stitcher, the iTunes Store, and Google. yeah well on the google play store if you're living in america once the launch once the service launches you'll be able to actually download the podcast directly from your android device on the google play store and i know that's a lot a lot of you guys have been asking google for that and we're going to be one of the first anime podcasts and i believe one of the first podcasts on the google play podcast store which is going to be really awesome. We're still going to be airing on Stitcher and iTunes, but this is just another way of you guys experiencing the podcast without having to download a separate app or anything, because it will be, if you have an Android phone, you just need to go to the Play Store. You know, as long as you have the Play Store, you can download it. But from what I know at the moment, it's going to be in, it's going to be rolled out to the Americas first. And then afterwards, once Google feel that it's a really cool idea and they want to bring it to the rest of the world, then that's up to them. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to recommend a show or a movie for us to watch on Kunai, send us your suggestions uh, via Twitter at GalpKunai, G A L P K U N A I. And uh, we suggest that, well, we recommend that you suggest shows with at most 30 episodes. And uh, no, Tyson, we are not including your pun because. You aren't here. I'm sorry. Wow. No, this is just this is just like hate on Tyson. Tyson, yeah, if you're listening, is, this is like total I love you. Disregard for Tyson right now. <laughs> uh, we shouldn't. We shouldn't really disrespect Tyson because Tyson's a really cool guy. Tyson, if you're listening, you're awesome. Yeah. So as I mentioned, we are talking about Spirited Away today, and this was actually Kevin's suggestion. So Kevin, take it away, man. Bruh. All right. So as I hope you all know, because seeing this is Spirited Away and this is. Uh, a classical movie, not necessarily mo- like a Christmas movie. But from what Bish has told me, apparently it's uh, a tradition. To have yeah, it, um, it is, and and I'll explain why. Like the reason it's on the Christmas episode, and the reason we've decided to do a Christmas episode like this, is because during Christmas and the holiday season, the BBC and I believe Film Four tend to show 
all of Miyazaki's films. Like all anything he's directed, it's on there. And these are really classic films, and they tend to show the kind of Disney dubs of them, like the English dubs. They don't actually show the Japanese version, unless it's My Neighbor Totoro, which is kind of weird. So yeah, this is actually a classic film, and this is always on during Christmas or half term if you live in the UK as well, additionally, because the BBC, I think, have the rights to show it on television. So they like to milk it, and it's every year it's on without fail on Christmas Eve. And by the time you watch this, you can actually, if you live in the UK, you can actually go and watch it probably on the BBC, probably BBC One or BBC Two, and it's shown throughout the holiday season, and for me, it always has this kind of nostalgia, because I watched it waiting for my presents to open, the opening presents on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, so I kind of have this emotional attachment to the films, and I love them so much, and I actually bought the Miyazaki collection with all of the films on it, because, you know, I'm a big fan, and yeah, I think that's why I've linked it to the Christmas episode. I know not many people will actually understand the point, and I'm not sure if Danil has noticed this, like, on English TV, we do kind of see it a lot. But it is a coming-of-age yeah. film, yeah. though, in a certain way. And in that, it it is fitting for a Christmas special. Mm -hmm. I would say but so. Yeah, it it for... is kind of Christmassy, and it has a lot of elements about Christmas. I know it sounds quite odd, but, you know, Christmas is a time where we come together as a family, and you kind of enjoy meals and, and whatnot. And Your stereotypical Christmas film, it's not necessarily a Christmas film, but it's appropriate for this occasion. It's appropriate for Christmas because there are themes which... You can relate to Christmas. Yeah, so you just know, don't grab your pitchforks and be like, "Bish, it's not a Christmas film." Yeah, like, it's it's not particularly a Christmas film like Die Hard because apparently that's a Christmas film. I don't see how this isn't. But you know, uh, sorry about those Die Hard fans. You know, but it's it has a lot of Christmassy themes as opposed to family and the meaning of family and the meaning of everything Christmassy is in this film, which is we'll actually get into the themes. We'll get into, later. We'll get into themes later. But, but for those of you who are just you know, new to anime in general or just haven't like simply have not seen Spirited Away yet. It is made by ever so famous uh, Studio Ghibli. You know, the, the, the most well-known name in anime, mm -hmm. I dare say. And it's directed by uh, Hayao Miyazaki, also written by him, and it's produced by Toshio Suzuki. So basically, the plot is it's a story about um, geez, what's the character's name? Chihiro. Yeah, because I'm just calling her Sen because she's referred to. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the that's the name she's given within the. Uh bathhouse the magical world yeah so basically it's a story of this 10 year old girl um it's a story of sen basically uh and her parents wandering into this magical world right and her parents are transformed into pigs and she's trapped in this magical world with no way out except to work in this bathhouse right and she meets this mysterious young boy um and his name is haku right so it's her story of um her just living in this strange magical world where that gods and habits and her journey to freak her parents mm -hmm. and it's a coming of age film like i said because she evolves from the film and she learns from uh, these experiences and she she changes psychologically the character and you know, it's it's a pretty good film to say the least that's moving on to first impressions right because this is a classic it came out in 2001 so um i myself viewed it for the first time when I was like eight so I think for all of us here it holds a pretty uh, dear spot in our hearts so guys who wants to start with their first impression I, I think I should start like obviously sure. um Go ahead. Uh, the first time I actually watched this is on the BBC I know it sounds really odd my sister was like hey have you... my older sister yeah so she suggested to me she was like have you seen these films they're really cool you'll enjoy them 
And she suggested three films to me. She said, Spirited Away, that's a great film. My Neighbor Totoro and Princess Mononoke. So I watched Princess Mononoke first and then I watched Spirited Away. And I was like, Princess Mononoke kind of depressed me. And then Spirited Away was gave me hope in, in you know, these kind of animations. And that kind of ultimately made me this kind of weird Miyazaki fanatic in a way. But what I liked about the film, my first impressions was that it was... As a child, when I watched this, I was about eight years old, just like you. And I think at that time it was 2003. So this was probably two years after the film came, was released and it was actually shown on the BBC during Christmas. It felt really Christmassy to me and it felt that, oh, there's a lot of stories to learn within the film. And, you know, you see Chihiro grow throughout the film. But I think for me watching it, I kind of grow. I grew um, throughout watching the film. I was like, whoa, this is kind of cool. There's a lot of lessons to be learned. Like, for instance... Chihiro's parents, they were only turned into pigs because they were being greedy, for example, because they were just eating and eating stuff in their faces on free food and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that was kind of a, a kind of lesson to learn as a child. It's like, OK, don't be greedy. You're going to turn into a pig. As a kid, you, you kind of let your imagination run wild. And you're like, OK, I, sh- I shouldn't really eat a lot because I will look like a pig, et cetera, et cetera. There's also tons of other stuff that is just really cool within the film. Like there's so much colors. This is what I love about Miyazaki films, the color and the excitement. And the way everything is drawn as well. But I'll get to that later on. I was just in a world of fantasy, you know. I was immersed in this. And mm-hmm. to be honest, this was kind of one of my first experiences with animation. I know it sounds quite odd, but it was like my earliest experience. And I didn't really consider it as an animation at the time. I didn't really know of anime and whatnot. I considered this as a fun cartoon because that's what it was. I liked how they they drew stuff and it was really interesting the colors that they use and how they shade it and make the, they make food look really glossy and and really delicious. I it's the the food actually yeah I agree there was really well done like just Studio Ghibli I believe they, they have this very very distinct like art style. And it's not I think it's mainly for Miyazaki films. Other well, films yeah, yeah. like for instance um, the film about Princess Kaguya um, that's a Studio Ghibli film but it doesn't have the art style as the Miyazaki films like as we know. Yeah, it, you know. it's just because like. When I think of uh, Studio Ghibli, for a reason or another, um, I just instantly think of Miyazaki because the only ones I've seen so far are Miyazaki films. Yeah, that's the same with me. Like, I don't know, Miyazaki was kind of like the gateway drug into into Studio Ghibli. (laughs) So that's where I kind of knew about everything else. What else was I going to say about first impressions? I I remember coming, watching the film. There's so much to say about the film. And I think... I remember watching the film once and there was like so many things I didn't understand because when you're a certain age, you you look past things. Yeah, yeah. You look past a lot of things and and a lot of meanings. Yes, you can get the stories about the pig or the story about the, you know, babies being turned into different things. Things that just fly over your head. Yeah, of course. There's there's lots of meaning and symbolism in Spirit Away. It's not just some Christmassy, um, you know, childish cartoon. And you know, like usually when people say cartoon, they associate children. Yeah, yeah. But this is more than that. This is this is like art. Um, reason as well that it, people kind of associate with as a cartoon and whatnot. Well, it was D- Disney was in charge of dubbing the film, so it kind of had that Disney princess kind of vibe. And I think, in my honest opinion, I prefer the Disney dub than the actual Japanese. I know it sounds quite odd, and I normally prefer you know, sub over dub, but I don't know what to say. Like, I've listened to both, and I've actually rewatched it in the Japanese, and I uh, I don't know what to think about it. But the, the Disney dub has a lot more emotion, especially within the first scene of the animation. Uh, but I'll talk about that a lot later. Um, 
yeah, that was my first impression. Cool. What about you, Danielle? What do you think? What was your first impression watching this anime? Well, initial thoughts brings it to everything I've watched before when I was a child. Um, a direct comparison, I'd have to say, would be comparing it to watching one of Disney's classics, which would be Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, but, yes, I agree there. Yeah, exactly. It has all these unusual themes that you wouldn't really see or understand as a child, but it really exposes you to a lot of Japanese culture. So, the first thing, I was actually really terrified of some of the things you see, like as a, his par the parents turning to pigs, but there was also a sense of adventure and fantasy which is something I'm a big fan of right now. So it's been really great because you see, it's a nice way to introduce people into Japanese style animation because it is actually different to how other Studio Ghibli productions have animated and it's highly recommended that you see this one as one of your first because it has the most you know, has the most, how would I say it? Magic. Most magic, <laughs> yeah. Journey. Pretty I, much. I, I agree with you there, Daniel, uh, Daniel, sorry. Because, I mean, I, I think that it's a perfect movie to drag people into anime in general because it simply, in my opinion, represents, like, just the best in anime and what you can accomplish when you combine good story, characters, symbolism, and music, right? It's just all goes hand in hand and it just creates a coherent and just a really good like whole in my opinion yeah it's really good but yeah that's pretty much how i've kind of grown to love studio ghibli this was actually one of my first films and i was presently surprised with how well it presents all these japanese culture and yeah that's my first impression. So, uh, I'm just gonna have to, before I go into my personal first impressions of the film, uh, I'm gonna tell you what, I, I just rewatched the film for like, the first time in years now, uh, just today before this recording. So, um, watching the film again, the first time in years, um, I just noticed just how different I felt during the opening sequence. As a kid, I remember distinctly that uh, this reminded me of um, of Tim Burton in a way because, uh, for example, Coraline, The Night Before Christmas, they're they're good films, but they have this really creepy element to them that I can't really quite put my finger mm. on. In the I think that's um, a thing with a lot of Studio Ghibli films. They are really really creepy, and they have this kind of eerie backstory to them. I think that's a theme throughout the film. I think Spirit Away specifically is is just a bit creepier than others because um, as a child I was kind of frightened by all these um, strange creatures and monsters, mm -hmm. like especially um, No Face. In my opinion, was was kind of scary, you know. And just seeing, you know, as Daniel said, um, uh, Chihiro's parents being turned into pigs and not knowing what was going on, I felt scared. Just like you know, Chihiro is in the film. But now, looking back at that, I, I think that my interpretation of the film was a bit different because looking at it now, um, like years later, 
it's not really um like fear or like um you know it's not any negative emotions that associate with the opening sequence it's more like wonder that's the word i would use to describe mm -hmm. what i felt you know it's just there's so much going on and there's this this magic to it you know uh that i did not see before but anyways i feel that you know as a child i, I just thought it was kind of creepy and kind of interesting at the same time but now there's a lot more to the film than uh just it's not just a fantasy film right there's a bunch of undertones and themes and messages that i think each time you watch the film and this is something don't watch this film only once like if you're watching this film be prepared to watch it every year like that's what i i would suggest like mm -hmm. watch this film many times because even till now like there are things that you remember or there are things that you realize and you kind of understand the meaning behind it things unravel this is like a gift that keeps on giving essentially um uh, like the first time i watched it like the pigs was the first thing i noticed i was like whoa they turned into pigs i yeah. shouldn't be greedy and then towards the end that like, you realize that i don't know it's like people can be dicks in this film and now you watch it again i'm like well people can be dicks in real life you know what i mean mm -hmm. or there's certain other things like no face and his his kind of ah oh, he has this kid he he's scary but at the same time yeah he he reminds me of i wouldn't say myself but let's be honest <laughs> myself because no one knows who he is he's always kind of covered and he's generous are, he are likes you to... that you're, you're rich and like you don't maybe maybe i'm rich it kind of shows what <laughs> we can be as well like we can not necessarily be rich but be generous because he's given yeah. things not just money and some you there's a scene where the money kind of turns into this kind of goopy stuff so it's about being generous but at the same time we need to give stuff that actually matters as well and, and especially during the holidays like we can't be like can't be dicks it's not about getting right? yeah it's, it's more about, about giving. giving and he's shown that within the film because he has no possessions but he somehow he gives money he's like mm, mm, mm. Yeah. you know how he does that I think, yeah it's and he does it anonymously because you know he has the mask no one knows who he is and we should be the same you know we should be I know it's kind of getting into this moral kind of compass type thing, but... But I think that's exactly what uh, Miyazaki wanted. He wanted to start discussion about this to make people think. Yeah. You know, when watching this film, right? Mm-hmm. And these aren't things that I noticed in the first time, because I didn't notice this when I was like eight. You have to watch this movie multiple times, and there are things that you'll you'll find, that you'll notice that you won't notice on the first time you'll yeah. see it, that, you, that you see it, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, this is a movie that you can watch multiple times and enjoy it, Every single time, just as much as the first time that you saw it, right? Mm -hmm. It keeps its magic. Uh, on the subject of uh, No Face, actually, I, I find it's interesting. Because um, as a kid, I always assumed that he was this evil, mean entity, right? I thought he was an antagonist or yeah. a monstrosity, right? Just because the way he looked and the fact that he ate a bunch of people and did some pretty bad stuff at the later half of the film. But looking at it now, you know, it's, he's just misunderstood. It's kind of, he's kind of uses uh, a symbol for, you know, how children actually can be influenced by people around him, right? He, he's only bad in the bathhouse because he's surrounded by greedy people and just, you know, especially the, uh, the, the witch. Um, mm -hmm. what, what's her name again? Um, Zen, Zeniba? No, 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 the, the evil one. Oh, is it? Oh, Yubaba. Right? Yeah, Yubaba. Right, so there's there's lots of deep symbolism like it like this that we'll get into later. Yeah, right, that you don't notice the first time. There isn't things that you noticing notice the first these time, things yeah. that 
make me love this film the bits, you know. Mm. So anything else on the one side for uh, first impressions? No, I, I would say that's pretty much it in terms of first impressions. What moments in the film oh. that kind of stood out for you guys? And like for for me, the reason I'm asking this is because when I was rewatching it today, I was like, you know what? I vividly remember this scene for some reason or another. Yeah. When I was watching it as a kid. Yeah. Which you know? which scene was that? So, okay, so there. The one that I remember the most for some reason is, you know, obviously the, the opening scene, but also the one where she meets Haku for the first time, right? And you're like, oh my god, what is going on? This this town is transforming all of a sudden, right? But specifically when she's walking across the bridge for some reason, right? Because she's holding her breath. <laughs> In a way, I guess I was kind of holding my breath as a kid too because I, I was scared. What I wanted to know... Uh, and Daniel, mm-hmm. is what yep. moments in the movie uh, stuck out to you guys? I think for me, stuck out, stood out. Um, what stood out initially, and obviously when rewatching it, initially what stuck it, stood out was the pigs. When I was a kid, that's the first thing that stood out. Like that, as you mentioned, terrified me because I didn't want to turn mm-hmm. into a pig. You know, being being a child, you kind of uh, in you know um, how do you say you were very impressionable. And another thing that kind of freaked yeah. me out was. Um, What's his name? The suit man. You know the guy inside the um, the room, the boiler room. You know what I'm talking about. Kamanji. Uh, is... yeah, the guy with Spider Man. Yes. Yeah. He's Maji. He freaks me out because he. I don't know. He looks like someone I know. But I, I keep on imagining <laughs> that. Arms? Huh? You should probably see a doctor then. No, like, no. I mean, like arms? he looks like my gra- <laughs> He reminds me of my grandfather. Uh, but and then when I was young, I was like, "Whoa, does Granddad have like eight arms that I don't know about?" <laughs> like that freaked me out. Like honestly, that just like me up. start looking at your grandfather really weird. Yeah, for like, like a month after seeing the film. Granddad, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. I, that really freaked me out. Also, the soot balls freaked me out because I thought that you know, being young, you have a vast the, the imagination. What? The soot balls. Oh, those are cute. They're cute, but I I always thought that if I left my room dirty, oh, soot balls. Yeah, soot balls. I, I was like. I heard Super Bowl and then Super Bowl. <laughs> I was Super, like, what yeah, the Super Bowl, hell? yeah, wow. America, Burger, <laughs> Burger. Um, no, but those freaked me out because I always thought I didn't want them in my room because I was freaked out by them. So I, yeah, I had to clean my room, like, bugs, like all right? the time. Yeah, bugs. because I always thought that they would come alive and they would just but move my stuff around. I have to say, they're so fucking adorable now. <laughs> like, now they are, but I mean, fluff, that's the thing that right? changed within the initial watching mm-hmm. and then the rewatching. Now I'm like, oh, I wish I, I wish my room was dirty so I had these soot balls rolling around. <laughs> Evidently, it is actually now, and you know, I need to clean it. But what my point being was, as a child, it kind of freaked me out. I was like, yeah, they look mm-hmm. so creepy, yeah. and I had to really clean them. Another thing, um, things that in terms of moments that stood out was the moment where. Oh, no face is just giving money. I love that. When he was like, mm, mm, you know how he does that? Just w- when he was in the bathhouse? Or just the, yeah, in, in the bathhouse. Where he's giving out money. In in the bathhouse when he's giving money to Chihiro. And he's like, mm, mm, you know you know what I'm talking about. That yeah, moment. Yeah. I love that moment. Another moment was the baby scene. When when the baby was talking, she was like, oh, I'm going to. The baby was like, oh, I'm going to cry and call my mom. And then they turned the baby into a rat. It's the most adorable mouse it is but I, th- I think the baby itself is really cute as well but it's just massive imagine oh that freaked me out i was, just, I was like why is baby so bad? this is something i want to know is the baby um <laughs> some sort of like maybe it's just like some very um subtle reference to uh american obesity no no please no 
<laughs> what I think it is, I don't understand it, but it, it's very odd because the baby itself is like bigger than the mum. How? I think it's meant to be, represent greed, though, because like it's fat. No, I don't think it's, it's greed specifically. I think the the kid is spoiled too much. Yeah, it's not necessarily greed because a baby can't really show greed. It's just a mother spoiling yeah. the child so much. Like you see the kid's room, and it's like the room is filled with toys and all this kind of stuff, and the baby is like a baby. What the, what the hell is he going to do with all those toys? Let's be honest. Here. Yeah. But at the same time, I really want to know, was it a C-section or was that a natural birth? Because she must be Superwoman. Just saying. Let's let's not think about that. She's old as well. Like, how the hell? I think that maybe that baby was conceived by magic. Like, there was some sort of magic penis. I don't think. Or, or something. I think so. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. No. You know, I think it is. I think the baby reminds... Looks, hang on, hang on. Wait. Are you wondering that... Are you wondering that now, or do you wonder that? No, no, now, now, now. As a child, no, as a child, that'd be really fucked up. I was like, man, if you thought about this as a kid, that's pretty fucked up. It is pretty fucked up as a kid. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying, as like now, like you know, the radish spirit within it was one of the monsters within the film. I don't remember what radish name. Just type in radish spirit, spirited away. It's like this radish monster. I always thought that, you know, it. The, the two bits that are dangling from its mouth, I thought it was its oh, tits. Yeah. It's not. It's not its tits. its tits. But it looks like the baby. I think it reminds me of the baby. So maybe the Radish Spirit did something with you, Baba. You know, they had some really sexy time. And the baby was born. That's what I think, maybe. That's jumping to some conclusions right there. Wow. Bish, you're ruining Spirit away from me. You're putting images. I'm, I'm ruining. I'm ruining it for everyone. I'm rule thirty four, man. If it exists, there's porn. No, there's porn no, of it. No, this is the ex oh, this is no. the exception to rule thirty four. This has to be the exception to rule thirty four. Damn it, Bish. I bet you, if you type in Yubaba into rule thirty four, you you'll find something, dude. Man. I, you will find something if you type in Yubaba. Rule thirty four. No, I don't want it. You will. Okay. You'll find Let's it. move. Daniel, I'm hoping that you have much more PG-13. Where in a yes, uh, podcast we can say that, dude. <laughs> we can right, say it because, well. Kevin, you know that. When I watch, like, Spirited Away or, or like, Alice in Wonderland, I, do, I don't think of these vile things. There's, no, let's be honest. People. There's probably some sort of porn with Kamanji. Kamaji, whatever his name is. Well, yeah. Because, you know, oh, yeah, eight but... arms. He can do a lot with eight arms. But he is old. He's old. <laughs> But I think some people yeah. might like that. But then, wink, like, wink. so is you, Baba. So yeah. Oh, okay, dude, ships, ships, guys. guys no, yes. no, no. We can no, bring this back. No. You, Baba, and Kamaji. I will literally end the recording. I'm sorry. Come on, guys. <laughs> That's my OTP. Only joking. That's a line that needs to be drawn here. I'm only joking. We're not going to talk about ships this yeah. episode, but yeah. Yeah. you know, Danil, your favorite. All right. Moments? Right, well, my favorite moments were probably the first time Chihiro met Yubaba. Just um, when you encounter the grand kind of gateways, and she just flies straight mm -hmm. through the office, and it's just like a big old lady with a giant nose. It's, yeah. It was really unusual, but something always brings me back to that, because... She looks like a typical old lady, like a typical granny, but with very exaggerated features, like the giant nose. But yeah. Well, since Bish brought this up, I wonder if she has like exaggerated 
like other things. Actually, no, no, no. Let's let's. Her this. breasts are massive. <laughs> they are. Look well, she does have a big so now mouth. I, now, now I know what uh, bitch raps do. Because I'm in. I'm into that. Know... Wink, wink. Ladies, wow. remember hashtag, hashtag get, get bitch laid. Yeah, hashtag get bitch laid. <laughs> right. Well, taken back by that, I better move on. <laughs> so. Another one has to be definitely when that giant kind of stink spirit comes to the bathhouse and Chihiro has been assigned to clean it. Mm -hmm. It was it was just adorable to watch just all the kind of interactions, how it smelt so bad and everything. Was... Danielle, you kind of fucked up if you think that was... <laughs> No, that was no, no, adorable no, to watch a bitch, young child. Stop putting words in his mouth. He's yeah. not saying the the river god is adorable. He's saying that, like, I think the fact that every everyone's working. No, no, together. no. I know what scene Danelle's talking about. I'm talking about. He's talking about the scene where it just it's like really dirty and she has to kind of clean everything yeah. herself. That's not adorable. Pretty that's, much. that's child labor, Danelle. Yeah, but it was kind of amazing because she was just a kid. <laughs> Uh, Danielle. I didn't Kuna, expect that. the only that. podcast where we will find child laborers. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't that part. It was more about the part that this giant spirit was essentially just everything you'd find in a sewage. There was bike parts and random tires and the fact that all the gloop was just going everywhere. And all of a sudden, you get this rush of water, and it was all really well made. It it was like just just so good. Mm. I don't know how to describe it. And then all of a sudden, you get a dramatic change where she you feel a sense of accomplishment because she kind of essentially did it all by herself. And well. Not to spoil it, but it wasn't actually just a giant blob of goop. It was like some kind of spiritual dragon with a weird face. But yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. And then mm. all of a sudden, there was just gold there. I don't know how that happened, but that scene just stuck in my head. And in general, other than that, you'd just say that everyone had that kind of scene where you see... What was his name again? Haku, there you go. Mm -hmm. Haku. One one day, you just see Haku flying in the air, being attacked by lots of little paper, paper-shaped men things. Mm -hmm. And Shikigami. that was... Yeah, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. That that part was probably the best part in the movie for me. That was a beautiful scene, I Because it was very well animated. Yeah, definitely. It was always the ones that they kind of showed um, every time they show a trailer on TV that they're going to show Spare Away. You always see that part where they show how expansive the bathhouse is mm -hmm. and how beautifully chore uh, <clears throat> choreographed all the flying was. But yeah, those are the parts which really just are my favorite. <laughs> so yeah. No child labor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, PSA. That, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, I'm actually surprised that none of us have the same moment. Alright, my, um, 
my moment, well, the, the moments that I remember specifically are, well, I'm quite fond of the opening sequence, um, just because, like, you know, the sense of wonder and kind of, like, mm -hmm. uh, fear that it puts into you, like, it just, you don't know what the hell is going on, right? But specifically, I can't really explain it, I remember the part where Hawk guides, um, Chihiro across the bridge into the bathhouse, right? It's the first time that you actually enter the bathhouse, and while you're crossing the bridge, there's a bunch of really weird and kind of scary creatures, and, you know, Chihiro had to hold her breath, right? And anyway, I guess, like, eight-year-old me was kind of holding breath as well, because I was kind of, like, feeding my pants. Well, not really, but, like, I, I was kind of scared, right? I still had no idea what was going on in this film. I'd Really comprehend uh, why she's being dragged into this weird world. So, just th that bridge for me is kind of like symbolic of her entering the magical world. Also, I, I guess just the scene at the end with um, Haku being, you know, chased by the. What are they called again? Shikigamis? And just really? being wounded. I don't know why, but. It was, a, it was a really cool moment because it looks really badass, it was well animated. That sometimes it was really sad because Haku was dying, you know? Mm. So those, those are the two moments that uh, I distinctly remember uh, from the first time I watched. Yeah. Can we talk about um, characters? Because I really, really want to talk yeah. about um, we I mentioned all these characters and what i like about them is that they are very well detailed and we don't necessarily see this in anime or in films a lot actually um you know if i'm comparing it to something i'd compare this to like star wars to be honest wow that's yeah maybe this is this film mm -hmm. actually made so <laughs> shit tons of money and i think it's a top grossing film in japan yeah, yeah it, it beat it titanic. beat titanic so this is a big deal in japan so um yeah we can I, I would say it's fair enough to kind of compare it to star wars in terms of the the sort of amount of detail and the amount of effort that has been put in um each character looks succinctly different like you'll see this in anime like depending on like kaon like you can argue and say oh every character kind of looks the same they just change the hair color same uniform yeah, yeah. It, this anime is this... completely different there's a bunch of different yeah. animation styles in it as well you know you got your cute kind of faces like uh, chihiro and then you have Haku who looks com like completely different animation style. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like comparing an older animation style with a newer animation style, for example. But it all kind of even, fits even in. Eyes yeah, the eyes are very different and they're very kind of squinty. Um, or, you know what I mean? Like more um, teardrop shaped. And then you have Chihiro, which is more round eyes. The animation styles are very different, but it kind of shows the character off a lot more and it kind of works with their personalities as well. Mm -hmm. And I think the character that has the most detail, in my honest opinion, has to be you, Baba, and Zenibaba. Because um, yeah. the amount of wrinkles and the amount of detail in the hair and the eyes and everything just kind of. Especially works. since everything's like literally exaggerated. Like her, her face, yeah. I think, alone must have had a lot of. Like, must have taken a while mm -hmm. to design that. Right? It must have. I, I would say so. And to kind of think of how they can exaggerate her and whatnot does take a lot of time. And it, it's paid off. Um, because it, to some extent, it kind of does look realistic. Yes, it is very exaggerated. But when we look at Yubaba, 
or Zenibaba, we can we recognize, oh, this looks like a typical old woman. Like that's a granny, as Danil mentioned yeah, earlier. Yeah. You you just instantly get it. Um so that's what I like. I like how they're well detailed and even characters, you get the really well detailed characters, and then you get no face, who's pretty much uh, a black robe with a mask. That's what he is. And and a mouth. Uh, oh yeah, and a mouth. But that's the thing you don't necessarily re you think when I when I first kind of watched this, I was like, oh no, he's just a guy with a mask on, like or or some sort of ghostly figure. And that's the case because even his gown, you can look through it; it's transparent. Uh, and he just fades in and out. Yeah, the... that's so. I thought he was a ghost. I didn't really expect him to eat anything, and I was really shocked when I saw that. Um, but you know, that's how it is. Um, other characters did kind of freak me out. Like, there's some characters that look like frogs. That freaked the shit out of me because I was like, oh man, frog people. It All the different kind of I monsters think, and whatnot. Think, like, eight-year-old Bish just fucking shit himself. Probably. I, dude, it, it, that, that freaked me the fuck out. Like, talking frogs and shit. There was a lot of kind of weird shit I was surprised because, like, I mean, in, in Disney, it's not really that much of a thing. But, like, in terms of the, the old man... Uh, Spider-Man. <laughs> Kamaji. Um, yeah, Kamaji. He does look creepy. He does. Actually, so, now I was so bringing him up. I think that he's probably another character that, you know, is, uh, is really special in terms of uh, design. Yeah. I think he's probably one of the characters that took uh, longer to, to come up with and just animate. You know? Yeah, I, I would say it's very difficult so, to animate him because he has a lot of moving parts. I know it sounds quite odd, honest, but... Like, I think that um, Jiro is probably relatively simple in design and just mm -hmm. uh, like detail. But other than that, Compared I would say, yeah, of course. And one thing She's I also wanted to mention within the characters is obviously my least favorite characters and not least favorite characters. Initially, when I was watching the film, I, I wouldn't say I have an obsession, but I really like the character Rin or as they say in the in the Japanese version, Lin. Um, yep. But she's called um, Rin in this one. She's she's kind of cool. She's basically what she acts is she's Chihiro's or Sen's keeper. Like she's in charge of her. If she gets yeah. in trouble, like she will get in trouble as well. I saw her as like a big sister. She uh, was. She's she's a typical big sister figure, and she kind of reminds me of Makoto from Free. I know it sounds weird. Makoto is also this kind of brotherly oh, figure. Oh god, Tyson is Tyson, laughing his ass he, off. He's probably right laughing his ass off. Um, he's like, ha ha ha, I... There's, there's always a free mention in every episode of this podcast, but she reminds me Damn of... It. She does remind me of Makoto in the sense that she does have that kind of big sister, I'm here to protect you kind of vibe about her. And she's like, really, in comparison to the other characters within this, like there are some characters which look really odd. She looks kind of cute. Just saying. She does. She does. Um, she's actually a fox bear. I looked this up today because I was like, okay, what the, what the hell is she a human? Well, why does she have the appearance of a human if everyone here is supposedly a spirit, right? Why are Haku and mm -hmm. uh, Lin the only exception to this? And it turns out she's actually uh, a fox spirit. And as we all know, Haku, she's, I believe, a river god or... Yeah, he's a river god. And that's the thing. I want to know if... How do you say? Shit. Who? Oh, what I wanted to know how how do we know that? Because I don't think we, we do know that. I don't know. I had to look that up on the wiki to know. Uh, mm -hmm. possibly my guess is there there's probably some hints thrown uh out during the film mm -hmm. that 
I guess we probably won't catch because, you know, we don't know the culture of Japan extremely well. So I, I, I'm guessing uh, if I were a Japanese viewer and, you know, I was acquainted with culture there and stuff, then I would, you know, uh, seen some things or noticed some things that... But it away. says here on the wiki, like I'm looking on the wiki, forgive me for doing this, it says according to the Art of Spirited Away book, so this was in an art book that this was mentioned, I don't think it was necessarily mentioned within the film, because we would have caught up on that, uh, it says here, uh, Linz is the transformed spirit of a white fox, which brings people happiness yeah. and representative of kind fox spirits, um, we're not really mentioned, that's not mentioned anywhere Never, in the animation. If it is mentioned, it's, mentioned, it's done very implicitly yeah they never go oh hey she is white fox spirit yeah i, I would it's say it's only important i i think that it, it's still cool though because like, like you, you just said that they're supposed to bring people happiness and they're supposed to take care of people and that's exactly what she does for chihiro she mm -hmm. plays this role of a big big sister and kind of like a guardian yeah she, she is she along with haku mm -hmm. um guide Chihiro through this this strange world that she just that she's new to, you know. Mm -hmm. Without her, like, well, quite, quite frankly, um, we would not have this movie. And she will. Yeah, she's a very died. integral part yeah. of this film. And also, I have to admit, she is quite beautiful. I'm just saying because there's other characters within the film, like those frog people, really freak me out. Um, there's some characters that they just look ugly, but I think they do it on purpose. Like, you know, those frog people. It, it, yeah, it's purposely. Like, yeah, and I think it's to kind it's, of accentuate the, the cuteness no, and the beautifulness of other characters. It's an art, artsy way, in my opinion. You know? It is, I, but I think yeah. that's done on purpose to, to kind of give you focus on the more attractive looking characters or the cuter looking characters. You know, or the characters that don't have any, let's say, the perfect characters. You know, the characters that aren't necessarily based off animals. For example, I'm just saying, um, because you know those frog guys, <clears throat> they aren't really main characters within the animation. Yeah, they're side. They're side characters, they're... and I think the the main characters tend to be the more humanoid looking ones. You know, you got Haku, you got uh, Rin. Well, I think that's done. You got for Chihiro. It's done on purpose. Yeah, of course. Though, because the, the more important characters and the f friendly ones, aside from uh, uh, Yubaba. Are all humanoid, right? Mm -hmm. Even then, uh, the the most friendly ones are like completely humanoid. You know, whereas Yubaba was human, but she had like a huge head and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think it's just done to, to indicate like what position. They, I think they it, had it's mainly a uh, a sense of power. Like for instance, if you've seen the Star Wars film, the Emperor, or even in the new film, um, uh, Force Awakens, you have like the characters when they what was it? when you when they're kind of showing their holograms they either have massive heads in, in case of the emperor in star wars or or they just shown massively you know what i mean to show a sense mm -hmm. of power and i think that should be the might be the case here you know because yubaba is the head of the bathhouse and she's yeah, she's queen bee <laughs> so i think that was an intentional thing to kind of make exaggerate her features to just show her that, you know, she's the baddest bitch in town, you know, she's there, she's controlling everything, she's on top, or so she thinks she is. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, Bish, would you say Lin is your, your favorite character? I wouldn't say that, I would say my favorite, I like Lin, no deny, I can't deny that. Um, 
But No Face is my favorite character. He always was, and I think he always will be my favorite character. Even the first time? Even the first time. He freaked me out at the beginning, but then I saw his generosity and I was like, dude, that's kind of badass. He did freak me out when he started to eat people, though. That freaked me out. Um, <laughs> that honestly yeah. did, because I was like, what the fuck is going on? Um, however, I do like his design, and he's very simple. He's very humble. He doesn't talk. He just... Mm -hmm. You know, he just does that. And I like that. I know it sounds really creepy, but I would like to... If this was like a weird Studio Ghibli world, I would just like to hang out with him. See how that would be. Uh, kind of talk to him a bit. Wow. What's wow. Your least do you have a least favorite character? I do. I do have a least favorite character. And I would say that is... Um, please forgive me when I say this. Haku. No, no, it's not Haku. It's not Haku. I actually like Haku, but I feel that he doesn't really do much. Yes, he is that kind of guy where he's he's protective and he's trying to guide Chihiro. He's trying to help her save her parents, all of that kind of stuff. But I think it was kind of a bullshit move to say, "Oh my God, you remembered my name. I'm you're the Haku River." Blah blah blah. I'm like, no, 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 but no, but that's not, how's that being asked though? Because if you remember, the only Yubaba controls people. Yeah, by taking their names their away. Names. Yeah, I know. Right? So he remembered his name. That's the only way they become free. It's kind of like Dobby when you give him a sock. Yeah. Oh, Master Dobby's free. Is that kind of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I understand that. But I, I think it was like, oh, really? He's. I didn't expect him to be the river well, spirit. You, you want him to stay in, like, no, no. enslaved and die after Maybe. She he's a like... spirit. Dude, he's a spirit. He can't die. He needs to realize that. I was just upset. When he was just like the river spirit. And I was like, oh, really? And then the way she was like, oh, I lost my shoes in the river. And I was like, oh. that that annoyed me. When Why? initially watching the film, that kind of annoyed me. Because as a kid, you don't really care about, oh, okay, this is bullshit. This is just side bits. But has that changed at all? Or is it still like, oh, that's bullshit? Maybe it's because I've seen this film every year since I was a kid. And it's ingrained in me now. It's like I don't want to know about this. Just give me more no face. I want it. I just want him to be in the skip. film. Wow. just skips. I just that skip that scene year, every year. I just mute. I don't want to hear Chihiro talk about it. it pisses me off. I re wow. I dislike that scene, and because it, it just feels like you're just trying to put too much story in this one scene. Like, don't too much story. What I know it sounds What's dumb. Too, like, too much story. They mentioned that way like completely late on within the film. It would be fair if... But it's a revelation. Though. No, I but really if, if they were... No, no, no. They should have at least put that in the beginning where she loses her shoes in the river. That would have made so much sense. And then mention it at the end. And then it would be like, whoa, that's kind of cool. But the fact that they mentioned it a bit too late but, within I the mean, film. You have, as a reviewer, you should judge something for what it is and not what it could be or isn't. No, but that's what I'm saying. It should have been at the beginning. That's the, that's the issue I have with it. Because it wasn't properly planned out. And that's something that's important. I think that should have been placed at the beginning so that we, by the yeah, end, we understand. It wouldn't make sense, though, because no. like, she dropped her, her things in the river and then she's suddenly moving. Like, no, 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 no. that's not the case. Sense. I think it should have been like a flashbacks or something like that. We should have gotten some... I thought the flashback at the beginning that wouldn't make sense, though. That's, Listen, that's or, or somewhere towards the beginning of the film. Not bang in the beginning. I don't want it to be where it was like, oh, yeah, and this happened. That's what it felt like. It felt like, oh, yeah, this happened and he's <laughs> no. the river spirit. Dark, no, no, it should be a dark <laughs> version where, where um, they drive the car into a river. And then the rest of the film is actually just like ghosts, Chihiro and her. Wow. Yeah, the rest of the film is her in a coma. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah. 
Wow. This is so dark. Oh, but <laughs> but you know what I mean? I didn't want it to be such... It seemed kind yeah, of lazy um, that they put it at the end and they're like, well, they expect just, us to understand I, it. I wanted it to be um, more uprooted at the beginning so that we kind of learn about it as we go through the film. I think every other aspect of the film is great. It's just that one bit that really pissed me off. That, that was actually my gripes and grumbles and we were actually talking about characters and... Um, but that fits in well because it's about it's character. it is about a character and I think yes I do like Haku but I think that was his main it, that was the main issue regarding Haku but that was a story element that was the main issue um, so I don't really I like him but he's not really my favourite character so yeah in talking about my least favourite characters I would say that um, Yubaba is my least favourite character and also her twin sister the reason I say that is because <clears throat> Yubaba is this evil character and I don't really like that and the way she kind of treats Chihiro, she's using her and she's very manipulative. And even as a child, I, seeing that as a film, you're like that's being painted as the villain, you know? And as a kid, you, you, you tend to hate the villains, that's how it is and whatever. And and then, yes, the you have a twin sister who's supposed to be nice and she said, oh, call me granny and whatnot. Initially when watching this, bear in mind I'm eight years old, I thought that she was going to fuck her over, you know what I mean? I thought she was going to screw her over and say, yes, join, my, give me your trust and then I'll screw you. That's what I thought. Okay. And if, for some reason, I know that's not the case because I know the, the story. But every time when I'm watching it, I still get those feels. And I'm like, is she, is she going to do that? Is she going to screw over Chihiro? What, what's her plan? What's she want? Why does she want to help Chihiro? What kind of happened that these two characters raised in sort of the same sort of environment, but one of them is really nice and the other one's a shithead? Where the hell did that come from? That's something I want to know. And I know it's unfair, but that's the, the reason I don't like her twin sister is because I don't like you, Baba. That's just it. Danil, who's your who's your favorite character and who's your least favorite character right. within the anime? Right, well, that makes things a bit of a difference between us two because I really like the concept of you, Baba, and Zeniba. Although that was confusing when you found out that her sister look exactly yeah, was, like her eight-year-old me <laughs> was really fucking confused i was like okay especially with uh yubaba and no face because like all right so what i understood was all right big lady with big head is evil and then like 10 seconds later it's like all right wait why is she serving shiro like tea and biscuits now and then she's evil again and it's like no face and he's like he's a ghost okay mm. now he's eating everyone and now He's sitting beside Chihiro in the train. What the fuck is going on? You know, I was really... Yeah. Yeah, and to somewhat address to that point, I actually kind of agree slightly with um, Bish about the point with Haku in some ways. I wouldn't say I hate Haku. He's actually an interesting character. But I have to say that in terms of what I felt... It wasn't really anything that drew me into him apart from his character design and the fact that he can transform into a kind of dragon kind of thing because there was this theme of kind of weird obsession between Chiro and Haku because it was a tale about love in the end because, you know... Chihiro eventually freed Haku from his chains from Yubaba and I kind of found that it was a bit too convenient 
saying mm-hmm. that yeah you were the river spirit and you saved me when i fell when i was younger i agree that perhaps they could have had a mini flashback thing where chihiro was sleeping and when she wakes up you know she wasn't actually drowning like she found herself in a river for some mm-hmm. reason and then when she wake up she's oh, actually jumped, not in a river in. So that could have linked in. Yeah. She did jump in, but you find that after she figures out that Haku was the the river spirit in the end. But like Fish said, it was a bit weak. That's the only part that made me feel that Haku was just like, "Mm, alright. But yeah, other than that, I'd have to say that all the other characters were really just interesting i love jubaba i love zaniba they were just kind of freakily enjoyable i don't know it's just the details the fact that they have this kind of amazing character and in the end she wasn't all that bad because there was a part of her in her heart which kind of opened to chihiro so definitely yubaba being my favorite Haku being the least favorite, but there you go. I don't hate any of them, but yeah, Haku is my least favorite. For me, uh, the favorite characters, I think that it's a tie between Lin and Kamaji. Um, it's interesting that I say Kamaji because as a kid, I was really freaked out by Kamaji. You know, he was like this, this weird spider thing, right? But his, like, as you say, appearances can be deceiving. And I think that's true for Kamaji because as you progress the movie, you realize that he's a really generous and kind old man, right? I mean, he's the one that helped Shiro um, get dropped in the first place and continues to support Shiro, which is really, really nice of him, you know? And he's like a, a grandfather, you know? He's a grandfather figure he cares deeply about. And, you know, Lin, I like it for the same reason, reason because, um, She's this big sister figure that, you know, that kind of guides Chihiro. She uh, makes sure that she's safe. Uh, at the same time, because of that, she's very approachable and she's a very likable character. Just like uh, Makoto, just like Fish said, right? It's the fact that they're so nice that makes me so likable as a person, you know? Like, these are the types of characters that, you know, you mm-hmm. could meet, in, meet them in real life and you would want to be their friend. Mm-hmm. In terms of yeah, least favorite character, uh, there's no character that I hate, but uh, the one that I like less than others, say, um, would have to be uh, No Face. And, uh, like, I'll, I'll explain, alright? So, I, I feel that yeah. No Face's role, unlike some other people or characters in the film, is largely symbolic. I don't think he's absolutely necessary. To the events of the film, right, or to um, Chiro's survival at, in the bathhouse. Right? Like I said earlier, he kind of symbolizes effects of greed and corruption, uh, you know, themes that we'll explore a bit later um, on, you know, innocent people like children. Right? So his role is really symbolic. And I guess I'm also kind of biased because, you know, like I said, he really freaks me out as a kid. Because he was devouring everything, and he he seemed really malevolent to me, 
and you know i think a part of that part of me still uh lingered when i watched it uh again today uh i i guess in a way i you could say that uh haku is a bit gets a bit less love uh on my part than the other characters as well he's not a bad character but i mean if you think about it he serves the same role as lin He's supposed to guide Chira, right? He's supposed to be this, uh, this mentor, this uh, guardian for her. But his character is far less interesting compared to Lin, in my opinion, because you know he's not that much. He's not really likable. He doesn't have that many emotions, and he's just not as approachable as some of the other characters. He his emotions are quite flat sometimes. His tone is quite flat. So he's not necessarily a bad character, but he just uh, doesn't have that thing about him that that really captivates uh, the viewer. You know, in this case, me. Yeah, that's what I think about the characters. To be honest, right. but overall, I think that in terms of design, they were all really well done. Um, in terms of their like psychology, they're all pretty well done as well. But just some of them just don't stand out as much as others. That, like that's how I would. You know, summarize my opinions on the characters. Right, but uh, I want to ask you guys what you think about the music and sound effects, so just the audio components of the movie and the video and art style, with the latter being very important mm -hmm. because it's Studio Ghibli after all. Um, animation is a huge thing uh, for Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli, and it's one of those things where it's like instantly recognizable. You yeah. Just, you could probably just have a screen cap and you would know right away that it's from Studio Ghibli and it's from music, you know? Um, I, as so as you nice mentioned, it is a typical kind yeah. of Miyazaki film. Like it, it has similar art styles to My Neighbor Totoro, which was way before it in kind of the, the 80s and whatnot. And, and um, other animations, you know, Hell's Moving Castle. Was it Moving Castle or Flying Castle? I can't remember. And what was the other animation? A bunch of other animations like uh, Princess Mononoke and all those kind of things. They have similar art styles and they are very recognizable, kind of like a, like those Disney films, like you know whether you're watching Cinderella or Aladdin or Jungle Book or something. They're pretty similar art styles. Do you see what I mean? Um, so in that sense, yes, it was. It's very familiar, especially if you've seen other Miyazaki films, or even if we haven't, you've probably seen references to Miyazaki films everywhere so as soon as you watch this film it's very familiar and I think these kind of animations inspired a lot of people to start off their own animation companies or to get into animations and anime and whatnot so you kind of see references here and there in other animations so I think this is very kind of familiar in terms of the animation style I love how Studio Ghibli do it and I think this is they take great time and great detail on actually making things look realistic and even the things that don't necessarily look realistic they make them look delicious like the food for example like if you look at there was this one moment they were eating like ducks or something the ducks were like they looked kind of gelatinous you know they were they were like bulbous and jiggly and that does not look appetizing but studio ghibli does it in a way they make it gleam and they make it shine and it kind of looks appetizing it could be a yeah. piece of shit but i don't know studio ghibli can make a piece of shit look really tasty i enjoy that and another thing is that the way they kind of draw the characters as well and each character is drawn to kind of represent their personality 
you see what I mean? Um, you know, Chihiro has the big eyes and to, to kind of signify that she's young and she's cute and whatnot. Same with other characters and is done on purpose, as as you mentioned, as I mentioned before, um, even with Yubaba, with the massive heads kind of showing this great sense of power. Um, it's kind of the same in other animations, you know, you have it in Killer Kill, like, um, oof, I forgot his name, the big guy in Killer Kill, he's massive and he's there because he's like the right hand man of the class president, who's, you know what I mean. Um, they always kind of show this. Yeah. As I mentioned, even in Star Wars, they do this as well. I don't know why I'm referencing Star Wars, because I'm not a Star Wars fan, but I just saw The Force Awakens, and it's quite cool. Um, ironically, it's another Disney film. In terms of the um, scenery as well, very well detailed. And I believe this film is actually certain scenes and certain areas and architectural precedents were taken from real buildings. Um, the bathhouse within the film is actually based on... Yeah. A real bathhouse in Japan, and because of the film, that bathhouse is really popular, really popular. Like it gets, it's pretty much full all the time. There's business all year round because, oh, tourists will see it, and oh, that's the bathhouse I'm throwing it away, whatnot. It's it's known for that now, so it's a very famous bathhouse, um, and I think it's very. I don't know how to explain it. Even in, there's a lot of architectural precedents and. Is very accurate as well to you know Japanese architectures and it's not like fantasy land. It's very, I would say yes. It it's kind of a an odd depiction. Depiction like the buildings make sense the way they're drawn and the way they're shown. You know, and even the whole um, that scene you know where there's these different stalls in the beginning. That kind of reminds me of you know a Japanese festival. You know they have food stalls. You know you got your taiyaki. You got your all that kind of stuff. It reminds me of that. Like a, a Chinatown. It's a market. Yeah, it's a market. But you see those really, you know, those um, Japanese festivals, like end of year festival or Christmas festival. Yeah, yeah. It's like those... Um, yeah, there's a lot of cultural... Festivals that you see all the time. Yeah, in, in anime. Uh, in Especially yeah. romantic anime. Um, like Toradora and Golden Time and all that kind of stuff. Even in Kaon they have that. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of cultural references as well because even the spirits, they are either Shinto gods or they, they make references to Shinto gods, kind of like Persona, how they do that kind of thing, where the Personas are based off real gods and cultural elements. Within this animation, they have the same sort of thing. You know, every, you know, I didn't know this about the character that was, that Rin was based off, you know, a, of a white, fox, a white spirit. fox spirit. And that's what she is. She's a spirit, but we don't necessarily know that. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of spirits in there as well. And even in Shinto, each... Each Shinto god has some sort of meaning, but there's a god for wealth and health and happiness and all this kind of stuff. Just like in this animation, you have each sort of spirit has their meaning, which is yeah. great. This is really interesting because like, I, I think it uh, goes full circle back to what Daniil said at the beginning about how just how well Spirited Away uh, portrays Japanese culture. You know, like there's almost every aspect of it is portrayed in the film, you know. Little things like architecture, religion, all that is incorporated, uh, incorporated, sorry, uh, into the film. Yeah, I, I would say so. And you also mentioned, oh, music as well. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, it's a great score. It's very emotional. Like, it, to be honest, there's not much for me to say about it because it kind of hits the spots. There are bits where they want to make you cry, and you cry, 
and it's down to the music as well but it's not something that i'm particularly focused on it's not nothing memorable it's not like the um yeah it's not like the intro to toradora where i can just hum it out and sing it out all the time like but i can't do that at the same time i i think it's a bit different because i mean opening themes they aren't really meant to evoke emotion yeah i I understand that but what i'm saying is that it's not something you'd hum like on yeah it's not something you would hum it's like for instance within star wars referencing star wars because you, you I can't put that you put that in my mind at the beginning like, of the episode and now I, I can't stop talking about it but within Star Wars you get those themes like the Imperial like March pieces of Imperial March or, or even pieces of music you know that I'm probably butchering it any Star Wars fans <laughs> forgive me but but what I'm the saying here is, is that strong with this one <laughs> I'm I'm not a Jedi at all but um, I'm more of a Wookiee. Like I have like uh, a lot of hair. <laughs> I can't even do the Wookiee thing. And you, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, what I meant to say was that there aren't like within Star Wars, you get like a lot of memorable themes, even if it's not the Imperial March, even if it's just pieces of music that kind of heighten up during an emotional scene. You don't necessarily get that with Spirited Away. Like I don't know. There's yeah, if you if you gave me the track for Spirited Away. If you just gave me the track, didn't tell me what it was, I wouldn't recognize yeah, that yeah, it was I from Spirited go, Away. Oh, that's from Spirited Away. I'd just be like, yeah. oh, it's probably from like, a sad movie or something, right? It's cause, like, yeah, exactly. I, I agree with you there, and I'll kind of voice my opinion here. I I think that the score is like great, in my opinion, like Edward's end, but it's not amazing, right? It's not like it didn't, you know, make me pause the movie and go search up the song on YouTube, right? But mm-hmm. it, it still did a very good job at complimenting certain scenes, at, at, at uh, you know, uh, triggering certain emotions. I think it was the same sort of issue I had with Tempest, um, Tempest? where the music was amazing, but it, you were more drawn in by the animation and actually what goes on that the music wasn't, it adds to the, the scene, but it's not something that you notice straight away because there's so much going on. I find that Tempest, in my opinion, was was more memorable in terms of music. I mean, it's mm-hmm. maybe it's because uh, they they use some classical uh, music uh, from like Beethoven, I believe, and stuff uh, for Tempest. And this, in this case, uh, for Spirited Away, I, be- I believe it's all composed. It, it's original uh, material here that they composed mm-hmm. themselves, right? Uh, but I I feel I feel like that's uh, for Tempest, the music can stand on its own. Like, I could probably name some track from Tempest, whereas yeah. this, um, I don't really associate any one uh, track to any certain scene. It's the the content of the scene and the animation, the art, speak louder in my opinion uh, than the music that goes along with it. Although it does do a good job of complementing the scene in evoking certain emotions and stuff. That's what I think. How about you, Daniel? Right. Well. <laughs> I'd say that while you guys are maybe correct, it is a bit different when you're comparing anime opens to say something as an orchestra work, like in Spirited Away. But there is one part where I feel like if you heard this, you know it's from Spirited Away. It's it's something I actually have on my phone. It's called One Summer's Day and I believe that was quite prominent in the part where 
actually Chihiro is going to meet Zuniba on the train. And since there wasn't many distracting things visually, I could kind of focus on the music itself. And it was just touching. Other than that, yeah. the art style is pretty much what you expect. It's, it's not, say, always amazingly detailed when it doesn't need to be. But in characters such as Zaniba and um, Yubaba, it's kind of necessary because it brings a part to their personality and it adds more visually. So, uh, when you look at Chihiro's face, it's simple but it's quite effective because it has that look of a child and it's not overly complicated. I'm more drawn into the colors and as Bish said, the food looks amazing. The structural, um, the structural comparisons you'd have to Japanese culture, those stand out more than their individual kind of appearances for some characters. But yeah, any kind of Studio Ghibli film has that kind of art style where it's not overly complicated, but it's pleasant to look at. I agree there. I mean, because it's not. If you look at the shots, I mean. Sometimes the characters aren't immensely detailed, you know. Like, not all, there are some characters that have lots of detail in them, like uh, Yubaba. But like, if you look at Chihiro, I think she, she's pretty standard character, right? Not a lot of detail put in, but at the same time, they they manage to do it in a way where, um, just you know, they're able to put a minimum amount of de details, but create like a maximum effect, you know, and visually, it's still it doesn't. Uh, look as bad because uh, certain scenes yeah. or characters are less detailed than others. It still retains um, its artistic value. Say. And one thing I don't know if you guys have noticed. Uh, the one thing that, uh, uh, that I noticed while watching again uh, today was just the the beautiful use of uh, exhibition, sh well exposition shots. Sorry, um, I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, one thing that is characteristic of Japanese animation compared to American animation or you know, Western animation in general is that Western animation usually uh, has action-to-action -action shots. So it, the, the shots are centered around action sequences around characters themselves, whereas uh, Japanese films, particularly Studio Ghibli, because they are the ones that made this famous, uh, is they don't focus on any characters or any specific details they usually have especially at the beginning of the film it's like a normal movie right it's like in live action movies they're they always open with shots of scenery right and studio ghibli does exactly this there are multiple occasions where they uh they just have a shot of the entire area right so you get this this feeling for it and you get um all the little details later but they start off with big shots and then they they move into the characters later, right? So mm -hmm. it, it adds a sense of wonder and, and magic of the film. You know, instead of just focusing on action to action shots, that is characteristic of you know Western animation, which which isn't necessarily bad, but I think it was very well used. You know, especially 
uh, in combination with their characteristic uh, and distinctive art style. In terms of uh, audio though, let's, let's wrap it up with uh, voice acting. I think that's something I want to talk about because Bish, you said that you watched it in uh, English dub, right? Uh, and that you, you prefer the English dub over sub. I watched it when I was a kid, I believe, on DVD uh, with Japanese sub, and I rewatched it again today in Japanese sub as well. Um, Daniel, I'm curious, what did you watch it? Sub or dub? Um, originally, I'd have to say I did watch it dub, but of course, being me, I'd like to get a feel for both sides, so I did watch it sub. And I'd have to say that Bish is correct in some ways that the dub actually just fits so well with the character, which is rare because most times I would actually cringe every time I see they dub an anime and it just doesn't feel it fits with a personality. But here, I'd have to say that it really does fit from Yubaba to Chihiro to even Haku, which you said was kind of plain and he does personify that, so it's really good. Hmm. Yeah. How about you, Bish? Mm, well, initially I watched the um, the dub because that was what was available. You know, it wasn't released in with subs and in the UK or whatnot. Um, and as Daniel mentioned before, that I I've seen both versions, and I feel that the Japanese one it's like another persona situation where I actually prefer the dub over the sub. But hang on, because. Um, my interpretation of what you said earlier was that Japanese dub was bad. Would you say it's not as good? It's as not as good. It's, it's an okay. It's an okay. Meh. No, the the Japanese um, voices they're okay, but once I've seen the English dub, it's like, wow, there's so much emotion within that first scene, and you watch it in Japanese, and it's like, what the hell? What the hell happened here? She just looks bored, and the voices, as Daniel mentioned, don't necessarily fit all the characters in Japanese. But in English, they've done yeah. such a great job because I think the way Disney treated this and Disney, as much as some people hate Disney, I have to admit, they know how to dub their movies well. You know, whether that's Toy Story or Wally -E or any other sort of animation that they've done, they know how to voice it well. And I think Disney kind of treated this as one of their own and it paid off. You know, they did this dub really well. It's kind of weird because for some reason, not the the other um, Studio Ghibli films have more sort of um, emotion, or in in terms of vocal ranges and whatnot. And I think their voice acting are much better. But that's something I'll talk about within the Totoro episode because I'm just gonna tease something here. I prefer Totoro's English, uh, not sorry. I prefer Totoro's Japanese dub than the English dub. You know. But I think that's because it wasn't done by Disney. I, I have to go and check that out. But um, I don't know. I feel like this, in terms of the Japanese voices, they were lackluster at best. Just saying. And that's really harsh of me mm. to say. But yeah. All right. That, that's interesting because, I mean, I might be because I have a slight bias, I guess, because I, I want um, my copy of uh, Spirit Away at, you know, Toronto's Chinatown, as a kid. Um, so I listened to the Japanese sub first, and I mean it's it's okay, right? I I do agree there. Uh, when I listened to the English dub, it was 
is pretty good too. But I think if I had to rate both of them, uh, they're more or less on the same same uh, level. But I do agree with you, Bish, when you said uh, that certain characters just have really like mediocre performances. Mm -hmm. And surprisingly enough, I have to say, Shihiro I, voice in Japanese is really underwhelming. I agree. For the protagonist. I agree. Because there are moments where the character, honestly, she's shocked. Like she's shocked, right? What she's seeing, and then the VA is just like really unenthusiastic, and she's like, "Meh," and it's like doesn't doesn't fit with what you're seeing on the screen, mm -hmm. you know? And, and you also, I think the voice doesn't sound as fitting to her to her age. She was given such a, I don't know, a more teen sort of voice as opposed to prepubescent voice. Do you see what I mean? In the English dub, they kind of rectified that she's her voice is more high pitched and whatnot. In the Japanese dub, she's very monotone, which I don't like. Yeah, yeah. That, that is. And and as you mentioned, she is supposed to be the protagonist. She's supposed to have. Yeah, you're the... kind of stuck with her her voice. Uh, exactly, because she's not a side character. Film. Yeah, she's she's the main character. You can't really say, oh, okay, she's a side character. It doesn't really matter if her VA is good or not. But mm, protagonists need to have a good voice actor. That's just first yeah, thing. Just, like it could have been done better. In my yeah, opinion. I think so as well. Mm -hmm. All right. So moving on to, I think my favorite part, or at least the most interesting part to talk about, in my opinion, and that would be the themes. Okay, and uh, if I if I were talking about this, uh, or if I did this podcast when I was eight, this wouldn't exist because I didn't even know that Spirited Away had such like, diverse and deep themes, right? Mm -hmm. um, before I, I delve into them, I want to ask you, Daniel and Bish, did you notice... Okay, do, you, do you guys look at the wiki uh, during this episode yet? I'm just wondering. Um, I would say yes when you mentioned that thing about the you look at the fox. Though, no, not not really. All right. So did no. you know? Do you guys notice uh, any possible themes while you're you were watching the movie? I think the possible themes that I've noticed is I would say this whole idea of greed and society, and mm -hmm. that's one yeah. thing I've noticed, especially with it's mentioned a lot. Like people are taking money. Well, you know when they take the money from um, No Face and whatnot, and he starts eating people and shit. It's yeah. it's crazy. And even at the beginning where, you know, the parents are greedy. They're like, hey, come, Jihiro, have some free food. And then because of their greed, they get turned into pigs. Or even the baby, he was spoiled. And that's why he's I, a I big... I mean, I the, the parents are greedy, though. In my, like, I mean, no, they, no, they, I they think had good intentions. It's greedy. They're like, oh, we'll pay them once they get back. No, I don't think it's... I think it's... No, I don't think so. They're taking advantage. It's kind of like the Hansel... Was it the Hansel and Gretel story? Or even even within Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, you know? Augustus. He was greedy. And he was, like, drinking from the fountain. And he got stuck in one of the contraptions. And he died. Well, that's that's not actually supposed to be confirmed. But you know what I mean. Like, he was punished because of his greed. It's the same sort of thing here. Her parents are being punished because of their greed. They were being greedy. They didn't need to eat that much, but they just continued to eat, eat until they became pigs. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So there's a, there's definitely the theme of uh, greed that I'll get into. Mm -hmm. uh, Daniel, do you notice anything else, or do you notice the same things as? Uh... Yeah, definitely the greed, especially during around the bathhouse. Mm -hmm. But there was also the obvious theme 
where there was love involved, but not too much. It was more of something that was seen at the end, kind of. And hmm, well, yeah, it, the most memorable scenes for me were happening at the bathhouse, and just the fact that there was a lot of labor and greed surrounding it. Nothing really else came to mind because that was such a big theme that was presented in the movie. Hmm. So I no, think another not thing really. potentially what it could kind of upset. Maybe I'm thinking too much into this. Um, is looking at how everything's arranged. This is there's a large contrast. Like a like for instance, Yubaba's house and the way Yubaba's dressed compared to everyone else. Like she's more Yubaba's. European yeah. in, in a way, you know, she's wearing a dress. She I, I like where you're going with this. Yeah, she's wearing a dress and, and the furnishings within her house are very traditional. She traditional French doors and stuff. French doors and kind of English style dining table and, and things and like that. In, in her office and stuff, I think we like, like Turkeys and yeah, and cakes yeah. and it's, it's really odd. And then you look at the bathhouse which she runs. And it's very ev Everyone is traditional clothing. They're wearing their kimonos. Um, the food as well, it's very Japanese, and, and the, even the way the people act, or, you know, some of the frog ladies, they're very shy when there's men around, etc. And even the idea of a bathhouse is very Japanese, it's not really a Western thing, we don't necessarily bath or bathe with other men in the same room or, or whatnot. Uh, everyone tends to have their own separate bathrooms. This is more of like a Japanese thing. Um, yeah, it's an it's something that I mentioned. I don't want to go too far into this, but potentially there could be some sort of. And I know Miyazaki loves these kind of political things. He loves to put that in his films. Um, it could be some sort of World War Two reference. You know, I I think potentially it could be like America or or the Western world kind of controlling japan and kind of crushing japan and what it is like do you know what i mean like here is its front here's its traditions and here's the person controlling it it might be something that maybe i am looking too into no, it I, but... I, I will interrupt you right there hmm. and start talking now because i mean i i might surprise you but everything you said is actually true you're not overanalyzing because that's exact yeah. if you look at the themes page actually i encourage you while i'm talking to go look at the wikipedia page you look at the themes, it's exactly what uh, Miyazaki intended, right? These mm -hmm. are all little minute things that he puts into the movie to, you know, send a message, right? And the, you guys immediately noticed, you know, the main theme, which is greed and specifically capitalism, okay? That's an important thing in the film because if you notice, there's, there's a lot of mention of gold and food and opulence, like just the parents are pay you because they eat too much with everyone being obsessed over no face because he's giving them, like gold and stuff and no this, this image of like opulence and like mm -hmm. comfort it's very typical of capitalism right? potentially yeah I, I would say so and this is yeah. kind of brings me on to another point Miyazaki is quite a intelligent man and I think even certain characters like uh, no face I think is what we should be as human beings and it sounds really odd for me saying this is that yes despite this whole kind of theme of capitalism and and all of that kind of stuff he's kind of showing that you know we can all be cool and kind of 
be generous towards each other, kind of like or how. Or we can be horrible. Or we can be horrible because, for example, No Face was being very generous and he was giving his money to Jahiro. And then there was moments in the film where he's giving his money to others. And then they kind of take advantage of that. And that's why he eats them. You know what I mean? So I think at the same time, we need to be generous. But there's a lesson to be learned. There's, we need to be generous like um, our friend No Face in that sense. But at the same time, we shouldn't really be taking advantage of those people who are being generous towards us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and exactly. I think possibly that is what Miyazaki is trying to portray here. Maybe he isn't. I don't know. I'm not him. He, he is trying that. And that, that's why I think it's so fitting for Christmas. Uh, mm-hmm. The theme, right? Yeah. It's about giving, but it's not just, you know, your typical Christmas movie or Christmas rom com where it's just showing one side of the spectrum with no face specifically. He's showing both sides of the spectrum. Either, you know, who, who you are and your actions define define you and they can either be really good or really bad depending on your environment and your influences right i mean he was really bad in the bathhouse but once he got away from that environment he changed completely <laughs> right another thing about uh capitalism specifically i think he's also doubling to politics here because he wanted to reflect how western influence for better or worse affected japan because as you know bish um Study, having studied uh, Japanese history, uh, the West at the turn of the 20th century and late, uh, no, sorry, 21st and 20th century, um, not 21st, sorry, wow, Jesus, I'm bad with that. At the, in the 19th and 20th, uh, 20th centuries, uh, the West had a huge influence on uh, not only Japan, but like Asia in general. I would you know, say like, so, but at the I'll, same time, it's, it could go even way before that because, you know, within the 16th century, you had. Uh, the Portuguese missionaries coming over to Japan and some British coming over to Japan as well in terms of railways and stuff. There was always that influence, but I think more so... um, It it was, I think, at its most important point in the 19th and 20th centuries because that's when, well, even after World War II, because that's when the ideals of, you know, capitalism and Western um, just ideologies like... uh, market trade and stuff started mm-hmm. leading into japan yeah and he wanted to show his opinion on you know how this has the effect of western influence on japanese culture and values you know mm-hmm. like that's why he he put Hibaba at the top as this antagonistic figure you know uh running this you know cap- capitalistic bathhouse that's taking advantage of people and the effect on you know the traditions of japan and stuff but at the same time he, he there is, um, you know, Zaniba, so he's staying ambiguous. He's really that's the thing. Him. That's the thing with uh, Miyazaki is that his his films tend to have this hidden meaning, and within the kind of Western releases, we don't think too much about it. We treat it as, hey, this is just a cute film. We don't really look deep into it, and this is what we're doing on Kunai here because we want you guys to kind of think more about the film, and that's why we kind of suggest that you watch this film multiple times because you're not going to really understand and it might take ages to understand what Miyazaki really wants you to think. Um, and it's true. I, and I think sometimes, and this is an issue that My Neighbor Totoro has as well, is that with the English release, we don't get all of these themes translated properly. They don't come through properly. Um, and f- for example, like within My Neighbor Totoro, there's some things I've been speaking to one of my Asian friends and she's not even, she's not even Japanese, she's Korean. 
but she still understands that within you know even the korean release of the film they had these things these themes coming up and i'm like whoa how come i didn't notice this within the western release because i think even a company like disney which is a big conglomerate company and they own like star wars and the mcu and all that kind of stuff they're a big capitalist organization you know they're all they're all about making money i think they're very much you know a western company, you know yeah like yeah, yeah. Disney. he's kind of like he represents the american dream in a way right mm -hmm. in american culture yeah so i mean try as much as they want i think that it's it's kind of say impossible to un fully understand um you know the japanese culture well frankly any foreign culture completely right um, because there's so much difference. But this is something the... that I want to mention is because within certain films or within certain anime, they do the the, the worst thing ever of um, sort of translating things wrong on purpose or completely changing the script or changing names of characters. In so, this, so you lose the meaning. Yeah, you lose the meaning. Word. They didn't necessarily do that, but within, I think they lost the, the hidden meaning. Or I think us, it, it might be the case that us, the, the viewers, don't treat this as a some sort of psychological anime where we have to think of what the hidden meaning is because we watched this as kids, you yeah, know? Yeah. We didn't, we weren't kind of mentally we didn't stable. Think of these themes yeah, we, as our, our minds we weren't developed to the point where we can think about these themes mm -hmm. in such a um, intelligent way. Whether or not we are actually intelligent, that's up to you guys to decide. But you know what I mean? We we don't, as kids, we don't necessarily have the mindset to think on this next level. And to be honest, there's a lot of other films that have that sort of thing as well. Like, for instance, um, Toy Story or even these other Disney films. They have a lot of jokes that you don't necessarily understand or even a lot of films, uh, themes, sorry, that you don't understand until you are older. Because that's just how every kid's film is. I think... The Japanese people are going to understand this, and I think Asia in general might understand this a lot more than the Western world because yeah, yeah. there are themes that are the prevalent to them. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I feel that especially Japanese people are going to understand a bit more. It might not be the case that they understand everything that Miyazaki is trying to portray, yeah. but because they, they know their own history, they can kind of relate back and they can say, oh, this is from this era in time, or wow, this is from this sort of religion. Or, do you see what I mean? Yeah. So they can kind of fit those blocks together yeah they do know. and i feel that it might be the case that we might have some sort of ignorance in terms of japanese culture and we can't necessarily understand it i can understand why that is because for a lot of us this was our sort of first experience of japanese culture or our first sort of anime experience so we this was completely new to us and we wouldn't have understood anything yeah i mean i i would say that it's not necessarily uh that i don't think that the translators did a bad job for uh for Speedway. no no i don't think I it's I, I don't think it's a bad job i think it's yeah, more it's just, us it's more, more like so. no yeah it's us and it's also like you know it's it's hard translating um things like this so, you know i don't think people the average viewer realizes that's the thing how difficult i'll i'll stop you there um you can't it's you can't the translation can't. was perfect but you can't translate something that's hidden this is a hidden you, this is a hidden theme you can't, can't translate words, but you can't translate, uh, you know, meanings. Yeah, you know, exactly. You, this is a hidden meaning. You can't necessarily mm -hmm. translate it. And I don't think the translators take that into consideration because you can't translate that. 
but they did a perfect job in terms of the translation, so I can't deny that. And there was something, I'm looking at the wiki now, and Daniil mentioned this earlier on when he said yeah. it kind of reminds him of Alice in Wonderland. I'm kind of surprised. And I was like, whoa, Daniil, this, this is why, this is why, guys, Daniil is the anime guru, because he knows stuff without even knowing it. He knows everything about anime. Not everything, but he knows a lot. Even, even yeah. this, it was just a guess, and he knew it. Just saying. Yeah, I don't think that um, it's necessarily, it could have been a possible influence, but it was definitely not based off balance. No, no, of, of course, of course. No. There are some similarities in terms yeah. of Alice's, it, it, <laughs> Her adventures in Wonderland kind of throughout the books, if you've ever read the uh, the Lewis Carroll book, you see her grow within Wonderland, you know, from yeah. from being a young child to being this, she's still being the same age, but you know what I mean? Her mindset is different. And even within this film, Chihiro comes in not knowing anything and she's very scared. And then she kind of gains the confidence throughout the film. And she kind of grows as a human being throughout the film. Yes, she her age remains the same. But she's come out of this experience more wiser, more courageous. She's grown, you know? Yeah, I think it, it's like, you know, they say great minds think alike, right? And I think this is the thing with Carol and uh, Miyazaki. They're, they could have been, Miyazaki could have been influenced by um, Carol's work. But, you know, if you think about it, it's just the same subject that's being, uh, you know. Addressed, yeah. But... It's just done in different contexts, you know, with Spirited Away um, treating uh, Japanese culture, whereas uh, Alice in Wonderland, you know, uses uh, European culture, specifically English culture, uh, as a base to to uh, for its messages and stuff. And I think we're almost done, though. That, that was a really good conversation, in my opinion, about themes. I, I love mm -hmm. talking about these little things, and I think I actually love that, you know, you can watch this. This is a movie for, for everyone. To be this is, I think, whether, whether you're whether... a child and just take this at face value, or whether an adult and you want to analyze it, everyone can enjoy this film. Yeah, it, it has bits for everyone. Like yeah. you, yeah. your grandma, your dog, everyone can sit down <laughs> yeah. and kind of enjoy yeah. the film together. You don't even need to have any sort of knowledge on Japanese history or Japanese culture, because especially if you're watching the English dub, you're, exactly it's not is... you're not going to treat it as oh, this is an anime. I'm not going to watch it because you know I'm ignorant and I don't want to going to treat as that and this is kind of why we decided to to cover these Miyazaki films on this episode of the podcast because obviously what Kunai is about it's about bringing people to new animations and and letting them experience more and you might be listening to this and thinking well I've never seen anime before and you know I don't know anything about it and whatnot and I think this is a great thing to watch first time even if you're watching an English dub no one's going to judge you um, I think this is something and that there's there's nothing wrong watching. Yeah, of course there. PSA. Of course there isn't. Even if if people out there, everyone has their preferences, shit, really. Then like you know, just ignore them because like, it doesn't matter what you listen to. It's if you like it, then go ahead and do it. You know. Mm -hmm. But I think it's because uh, Spirited Away is so you know universal and it's just a film for everyone. It's it's that reason that made it so you know. And I think, so popular in the West. I think another thing that made it really popular in the West is that Disney did a great job distributing it because um, it was actually initially Disney and DreamWorks that were going to, that were kind of bidding over who's going to have uh, distribution rights in the United States and worldwide as well. Disney took it 
they want. And I don't think, I'll be honest with you, I don't think uh, DreamWorks would have been appropriate to do it. Because, you know, they're, they're more 3D animations and whatnot. And I think not many people would have known it. Because, you know, Disney has a lot more money and they're a lot more well-known. You know, everyone knows Disney. Whether you like it or not, everyone knows Disney. And when Disney is going to put their name on something, everyone's going to watch it. It's kind of like Apple, you know. As soon as Apple releases a new product, everyone buys it. It's just the same thing. And I think that having Disney as a distributor really made wonders for this film. Made it well-known. At least in the West, I would say. I think it's actually well-known everywhere, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, of course. Whether you're in North America, Europe, or Japan. Mm-hmm. But we're almost done with this conversation. Uh, do you guys have any gripes and grumbles? I've mentioned my gripes before, and that was in terms of the Haku sort of yeah. issue. But other than that, I think this is a really good film. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. I, like I said about characters, not... They're not bad, like, they're all really good characters, certain characters, you know, they aren't bad, they're just not as good, and mm -hmm. they don't, they, they're kind of underwhelming in comparison, you know, they don't, they don't fill their full potential, uh, when compared to some of the main ones. Other than that, I think in terms of music, animation, art style, story, all across the board, it's a masterpiece. How about you, Daniel? Yeah, quite right. Well... I think it's just a great way to get exposure to Japanese animation, Japanese culture, and generally, like everyone said, it's a really good film. Even if you don't like it in the end, you have to admit it has its merits. Mm. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Alright, uh, there's a yeah. question that we ask um, for shows. I think it's interesting. Kind of stupid, but still interesting. It's like, uh, the question is, would you want a second season? And this, would you want would, a second film? No, 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 no. I, do you know why I say that, <laughs> that I don't want a second film? Yeah, yes! It's, kind of, it's its no, own story. No, I think no. all loose ends are wrapped up. I'm really glad that uh, there was not a second movie because I know that some Western companies, well, some companies... Disney? Uh, yeah, like... Disney, Disney are well-known for... would just, like, milked it. They would have they'd have made, yeah. like, Spirited Away 9 by now, most likely. You know, so I'm I'm glad that they left it as is because. Um, but that's the so, thing. That's the, the thing with Miyazaki. He doesn't some... really even 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 Studio Ghibli. I don't think they've they've ever done a sequel to anything. But that's just what it's, I think. They're not really necessary because they're films. Because you know, they're well-rounded they films and they make yeah. sense on their own. It's like they yeah. know that okay, this is what we're gonna do, and we have one shot at it. We're not gonna rely on another sequel to kind of tell the story. Yeah, just how it is. Doesn't need another film to complete the universe. Everything. Yeah, is, it uh, it doesn't. Told very well and is wrapped up within the same film. Yeah, you know? it doesn't it doesn't need anything additional, which is great. And would would I want a second film? No, because it it all kind of ties up. Um, also, I think that it might be weird, but I think that if there's a second film, uh, hear me out here. I think that probably like just you you make the original film kind of lose its meaning yeah way, i think way. so just keep it as is if it ain't broken, but i never the thing is i've never actually thought of them doing a second film because mm -hmm. it's it's a film you know it's... i'm just bringing it up because what i noticed mm -hmm. on google search was i i typed in uh spirited away one of the suggestions is uh spirited away 2 and i'm like i really don't think that should happen it doesn't need to happen <laughs> no i agree i agree i don't think it needs to happen either because each Miyazaki film has its own sort of reason. It's kind of like reading a children's story. 
You know how children's stories have their own sort of moral, like this is the moral of the story kid, or you, you know what I mean, like even nursery rhymes or kids stories like Little Red Riding Hood or Hansel and Gretel or even the Grimm Brothers stories, you know, they they have really horrendous stories. If you, if you read the original stories, they're really horrendous and they have this really horrendous meaning, but you know, as as time goes by and you know as culture changes yeah we kind of lose the the meaning and it just becomes a fun story and i think this is maybe in a similar situation but i think every miyazaki film has its own set of morals and its own set of story that miyazaki wants to kind of bring across and he wants to bring across a certain point within the films that's why if you buy the miyazaki collection and you watch each and every one of the films you're going to get a different moral story out of it and it kind of ties together as well, which I like. I mean, what he does is he, um, the films themselves look really like hearted, you know, very casual, but there's a lot of depth behind them, you know, it's not just superficial, you know, there's lots of things, uh, lots of hidden themes and mo- um, motives that are hidden uh, within the film. Mm-hmm. So let's wrap up with our overall opinion. I think it's pretty clear what we think of the uh, the film so far. But would the thing is, would you recommend it to a friend? <laughs> my, of course. My answer would be yes. Of course, I yes. would. It's, this is a perfect movie to recommend uh, to you know anyone, whether they're old, young, whether they're seasoned anime watchers, or whether they're, you know they're new to anime. This is something for everyone. I think that it's a must see. Uh, everyone mm-hmm. you know i think so and i another thing is that if you live in the uk yeah um it should either be on the bbc or on film 4 i'm not really promoting them as companies i'm just saying that you you can watch it for free on those channels it's accessible to you guys and you should see it during the christmas period as well because that's when it's shown um additionally i suggest you, maybe you like the conversation that we have support this this thing like buy the dvd like i bought the dvds for like 10 pounds each you know and bush doesn't even have a dvd player i don't even have a dvd player and i bought them <laughs> that's my dedication there the thing is i need really need to get a dvd player and that sounds really dumb but but you have a computer don't you? i have my playstation my computer doesn't have a, a disk drive because it's i replaced it with a hate uh, an ssd uh i know i shouldn't i shouldn't have done that but the ssd is so much better man it's so much faster man Optical discs or shit now. Should download. Should download your. Uh, it away. Should download. Uh, I don't Legal think there. There. There probably is something on their website. I know usually. Um, I would totally do that. You know, like. iTunes, nice dude. Probably iTunes. Yeah. Probably iTunes. Probably iTunes, or it's probably on another streaming service. It's on Netflix DVD for those of you who are in the US, by the way. Oh, is it? it is yep. Netflix so has a DVD it. service. Yeah. Yep. Dude, that's crazy. Only in America, though. So uh, if you're Canadian, uh, then uh, yeah, you're SOL. <laughs> no, but you can you can pick it up, you know, at your, at your video store if they exist, or at a Target. Video, video or... stores do not exist anymore. They're not. All right. Um, you can pick it up at probably Amazon. Type it in. It's it's not going to be expensive. Like I paid ten pounds it, each. It. It's it's completely worth every penny. But if you live in the UK, watch it for free on the BBC or on Film Four. Because they, they show all these Miyazaki films. It's kind of badass. Give it a try. Give it a go. Um, yeah. Alright. So, as always, if you guys want to you know, share your opinions with sort of 
you know, give us your thoughts, you know, just tell us what you, whether you have the same opinions or different opinions, and just general thoughts on the episode, and, you know, just Miyazaki films in general, because these are films I love talking about, you know, they're great films, they're great subjects for discussion, and you can talk to us on our Twitter handles, so... Uh, the official Twitter page is at GALPQNAY, so once again, it's G-A-L-P-K-U-N-A-Y. Uh, preferably the GALP in caps and the, you know, KUNAI, just normal letters. You know, I, I have an OCD thing when it comes to typing, but uh, yeah. My Twitter handle is uh, at the Tempest Phoenix, T-H-E-T-M-P-E-S-T-F-E-N-I-X. And my Twitter handle is at Kane underscore. Now I I did this joke all the time. Uh, my actual Twitter handle is um, at Kibo Gamer. Actually, no, no, seriously, my Twitter handle is at Get Life Podcast. You guys already know it by now. And I don't think Danil has a Twitter. Maybe he does. I don't. Danil, do you have no? See, Danil no, doesn't don't. have a Twitter, so <laughs> that's why he's the anime guru. You you can only summon him at particular times, and after that he's just gone. You know, it's very difficult to summon him. Spotting Danil in the wild is like you know. Swatting a unicorn, or yeah, it, yeah, that's what Danil is. He's he's a legend. He's he <laughs> is that double rainbow or that that unicorn. Like you don't see them rarely, Uni- but when you do, it's kind of badass. Unicorn on top of a yeah. double rainbow. <laughs> but uh, before we leave, though, because uh, like this is where we end, there's something you guys may not know. And that is, uh, it's Fish's birthday today. Assuming that uh, it releases on Christmas Day, isn't that right, Fish? It- this episode should release on the 23rd because I understand that uh, there are people they might not want to watch a podcast on the 24th uh-huh. of December or on the 25th so this is going to be up by the 23rd in case you want to listen to it during Christmas maybe you do maybe you don't or maybe you want to watch uh, listen to it on Boxing Day um, so that's why so it won't be my birthday by the time this releases uh, because I understand people do want to be with their families but you know yeah that's cool but on that note uh Danielle and I what? are gonna sing happy birthday for birthday fish. Aww. Because we did it last year. What did we do it again? Alright. So three, two, one. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday, birthday to you. It's kinda of awkward to be honest. <laughs> happy birthday, dear. Dear fish. Fish. Happy birthday, birthday to, to you. <laughs> so weird because like it's it guys don't judge us. It's really hard to sing songs at the same time. It is because you have to coordinate. <laughs> oh, uh, you don't. Ha- can don't can I stop you there? Um, I want to say something to you, Danil. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Um, who's best girl in Haganai? Just so Kevin knows. All right. That's all, folks. See you next time. <laughs> no, no, no. Tell, say it. Quickly. Oh. Say your name. And his name is John C. Oh, Daniel. Daniel, no. you are the man. See? Um, on and on you that bombshell, man, let me just tell you guys what's actually what's going to happen later on. The next episode we're going to have is, of course, our uh, New Year's episode, 
Joe will make his return. Yeah. Um, he will make his return in the episode where we talk about another Studio Ghibli film, um, which is My Neighbor Totoro. And after that, that will be in January the 1st, that episode should air. After that, we're going to have our Haganai episode. Yeah. Which should be... It's it's like War of the World. It is. It is it's crazy, dude. It's like World War Three. But let's just say that nukes <laughs> yeah. went firing and it's crazy. Tyson said some stuff and Kevin said some everyone Ty- said stuff. Let's not talk dreams about dreams were crushed that yes, day. Yes, dreams were crushed that day. But anyway, um hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. And thank you I obviously for Daniel for attending. All right. Yeah, thank you, Daniel. No problem. You my pleasure.